It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Whatever you do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. And I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today's episode of Locked on Packers is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game. With full replays, you can also play an entire game and catch up on all the plays in just 45 seconds with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Today, Zhao you doing? How you doing? Makes its triumphant return to the Wednesday slate. We are actually going to make a tweak next week and flip Expert Tuesday and Zhao you doing to make room for the outstanding Mike Sando from The Athletic uh, to talk about Aaron Rodgers in this offense. I wanted to wait uh, from a scheduling standpoint. I wanted to wait until after uh, the, the Sunday night game and and given all the deadlines that he's on for all the work that he does, which, by the way, you should go follow The Athletic. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure he had ample time to do his work and, and still have time for us. So uh, that is something that we're going to do next week. Just a little bit of a heads up. So Lily and I are going to talk all about what's going on here with the Packers as they stand heading into week three against the Saints. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about something I hinted at last night uh, and some of the matchups that that make this game particularly advantageous for Green Bay. Before I do that, though, Tom Pelissero yesterday uh, reported that Devontae Adams has what's considered a mild hamstring strain, uh, which is not to say that he's not hurt. He is, and hamstrings are notoriously difficult to predict. Soft tissue injuries are always tricky. And Matt LaFleur did say he wanted to go back into the game, that the Packers were being very cautious with him. Uh, It it would not be surprising to see him sit out on Sunday. It's worth noting here that Green Bay last year, 4-0 without him, uh, including a game in Dallas against a fully healthy Cowboys team where the defense came to play, but Aaron Jones absolutely dominated as we saw on Sunday. And given this matchup, not out of the question, Aaron Jones could do that again. You want to make sure that you have your guys healthy. Also, the Packers, you know, Devontae tweaked his hamstring in the third quarter 
after that, Green Bay still scored another 11 points. They still got a touchdown and a field goal late to extend the lead when they needed it. So the, the fact that we've seen Alan Lazard and MVS become meaningful members of this offense and that big Bob Tanyan is doing large Robert things, that really makes uh, it easier to project an offense that can continue to score points just because the creativity is outstanding. And, and that's what I want to get to here to start the show is this matchup for the Packers is terrific. And if you watch the Saints on Monday night, they struggled with the Raiders attack. And one of the reasons why is because Las Vegas with John Gruden does an excellent job of playing with big personnel. What does Matt LaFleur want to do? He wants to play with big personnel. Now, the Raiders were not particularly effective on the ground. 35 carries for 116 and a touchdown. You know, that's 3.3 yards a carry. That's not really what you want. Except the Packers' offensive line is significantly better. Number one in pass block win rate, according to ESPN. Number two in run block win rate. So this is the best offensive line in football Green Bay has. Well, the Raiders control the line of scrimmage against the Saints without a great offensive line. We're talking about a third-string right tackle, multiple backups in the game, and Cameron Jordan was shut out. I mean, they were not able to consistently harass Derek Carr, uh, and, and the run game, to me, was more about the fact that they just don't have the horses. Green Bay does, and they might be getting Billy Turner back, which means they could be going into Sunday night with a full complement of offensive linemen. It's also worth noting that Green Bay is the number one offense in the league by EPA per play. And one of the reasons is they are head and shoulders above the rest of the league in rushing efficiency. In fact, the difference between the first and second team in rush EPA, the difference between the first and second team, the Packers and the Rams, is roughly the same as the gap between the Rams at two and the Panthers at 17. That is a huge gap. It's the difference between the second best run offense in the league and a league average run offense. That's how great this Packers run game has been. And then when you look at the the players who beat up the, the Saints, Josh Jacobs was heavily involved. Darren Waller, 12 catches, 103 and a touchdown. They were able to slip out Alec Ingold on a touchdown. It was the big people that they were able to get involved. A beautiful wheel route to Foster Moreau. That was where the matchups were there to be had. And and you would think a group with Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins would be perfectly suited to handle those matchups. And yet John Gruden was able to find a way to put together an offense that made it work. If you look at what Green Bay wanted to do against the Lions, against the Lions, Ben Fennell tweeted this out, that against Detroit, they played 26 snaps with two running backs, their most used personnel grouping. They played another 23 snaps with two tight ends. So 49 snaps, well over half of their snaps are from big personnel. In fact, if you look at all the other personnel groupings combined, it's it's 24 snaps, 11, 13, 22. So the Packers want to play big, and it still allows them to run or pass, and it is perfectly aligned 
with the way that the Raiders were able to take advantage of what the Raiders want to do. The, the Raiders are a worse version of what the Packers want to be. Derek Carr is not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Josh Jacobs is not as good as Aaron Jones. And Darren Waller, you can say he's a tight end and he did get some work from in line, but he was facing cornerbacks most of the game. And a lot of the work that he was able to do was finding spots in the zone. Well, Devontae Adams is an even bigger matchup problem than Darren Waller. Now, if Devontae Adams doesn't play, certainly that that can create some problems because the Packers don't have a tight end with the same sort of proven mismatchability that Waller has. At the same time, they were able to get Jay Sternberger wide open, or as uh, Joe Thomas said yesterday on the show, Scott ass free. And he just dropped it. I mean, that could have been easily a 30 or a 40-yard gain on that little tight end leak coming across the formation. If the Saints can't rush Aaron Rodgers, and they were not able to consistently pressure Derek Carr, not not enough that, that he couldn't still complete passes. I mean, he was 28 for 38 for 282, three touchdowns, and a 120.7 passer rating. I mean, they were able to get some dinks and some dunks, but also some shot plays down the field. Marshawn Lattimore... You know, he had issues covering Brian Edwards, Janoris Jenkins. You know, this was this is supposed to be a very good secondary, and they couldn't do much. And that's because this team has started out sloppy. They're the most penalized team in the league. They have not looked like a Super Bowl team to this point. Now, that could all change, of course. And, and, and we see it change all the time. Early in the season, you know, the world is different <laughs> because, you know, COVID, and no preseason, no training camp. I mean, this stuff takes time most years. It's just weird that so many other teams, including the Packers, by the way, have made it work. The Packers, and this is per uh, Packers PR guru Jason Wallers, the Packers are the first team since 1991, the K-Gun Bills, to score 85 points and have over 1,000 yards in their first two games. This offense is on an absolute heater they're better than the Raiders. Now, the Raiders were good in week one, but against the Panthers. So you can say, okay, the Packers haven't played anybody, but the Raiders didn't play anybody in week one. And then in week two, they play the Saints. They score 34. Well, if the Packers are better, then 34 seems like they can get there. The bigger question right now is, can the Saints? Because Drew Brees does not look the same. He was... Brutal. I mean, I was joking with Ross Jackson, who is the Locked On Saints host. Uh, I was like, I, I can't remember a 300-yard game in by by a quarterback in a game that was close that was more deceiving than Drew Brees' 300-yard game. And it wasn't garbage time, but it was just sort of a garbage 300 yards because so much of it was just dinks and dunks to Kamara that he turned into a bunch of yardage. I mean, Kamara had nine catches for 95 yards, 13 carries for 79 yards. The Raiders couldn't stop them. The Raiders' defense, by the way, bad. Bad. I mean, for whatever you want to say about the Packers' run defense, the Raiders' defense is worse. It's garbage. They don't have the pass rush Green Bay does. They don't have the secondary talent Green Bay does. And, and so you're looking at it going, all right, if the Saints could only manage 24 against the Raiders, how are they going to score against a much better defense in Green Bay? Now, Michael Thomas being back would help. But even if Michael Thomas is able to be back, and the original timeline for that high ankle sprain it was several weeks, which means not this week. And and I would be a little surprised if he went. I mean, we could be we could be talking about a game in which Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas both are out. 
and each team has to figure out a way to do it. I have to say this is the first time in a long time I would feel good about the Packers being able to match the kind of creativity that Sean Payton could put out there. They don't have a Taysom Hill, but they have plenty of other tricks up their sleeve. We've seen it uh, with all the pre-snap motion, the jet motion. I mean, Matt LaFleur, I tweeted this. He is becoming one of the most creative run call play callers and play designers in football. I mean, with, with the different looks, they can run any. It's not just outside zone. They're running inside zone. They're running gap schemes, power schemes, duo. I mean, all sorts of stuff. And they're adding the pre-snap elements, the motions, the formation changes, the misdirection stuff, the eye candy that keeps defenses on their heels. Green Bay can do that stuff now. And look, we saw it last year. If Devontae Adams is out, this offense can keep going, especially if Rodgers is going to be back foot and fire. He's he's still going to throw those transition go routes. I mean... He has one of the, the top release times in the league in terms of quickest releases, top 10, and yet still a top five quarterback in average intended air yards. So it's not like it's ball out, dink and dunk. It's ball out, and they're still able to push the ball down the field. That's what's incredible because they're able to hit those go routes. They've got three guys on the outside that they feel comfortable going down the field and making plays. They've got a tight end they feel comfortable going down the field and making plays, and I think we'll see more of it from Jay Sternberger as he reacclimates himself into this offense. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can revisit all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film sessions. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass. Football never stops. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football here on the Locked On Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big-time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. Lily, welcome back on Lockdown Packers for our weekly "How You Doing" segment. How you doing? And there is a lot to get to after two weeks. Of course, uh, we can't we can't overreact to what we've seen so far. But I think there is this 
question dogging us as we head into week three against New Orleans, specifically because we thought the Saints were going to be a really good team coming into the year. They haven't looked like a really good team coming into the year, but we weren't sure where the Packers would stand in the hierarchy, and they look like they're really good. Before we get to the Saints part of this, are you sure the Packers are good? Well, this is what I can tell you. You know, based off the eye test, you know, they can only play who's on their schedule. And that was, you know, Minnesota and Detroit, and they won both of those games handily. Now, on the the other hand, it's, you know, can they continue looking this good against better caliber teams on the road, not in hostile environments because we don't have that this year. (laughs) But, you know, that would have been another thing. But it's can they keep this up? Um, That's going to be the big question because, again, I know we've talked about it before on this podcast is the first half of the season is going to be a really good gauge of where this team really is. Um, And, again, I know we have Drew Brees and the Saints coming up, and then we have a lot of good other caliber quarterbacks the next couple of weeks. But, you know, that being said, it's still Drew Brees. They're still going to be on the road in New Orleans. It's it's can they handle this, uh, an offense, in my opinion, which is still better than Minnesota, which from week two we saw was not very good at all. Right. <laughs> and Detroit with Matthew Stafford, which, you know, in hindsight 2020, you know, you could say if he made a couple better throws, it might be a different conversation in terms of a closer game. So it, it's still going to be a huge challenge for the Green Bay Packers. Do I have a better sense of, you know, can this team come out with a win on Sunday night? Yes, I do, based off of kind of what we saw in week two against the Saints. It's just more so of, um, you know, can the Packers get their tight ends involved and can they make those big catches if need be? As I watched on Monday, a Saints team struggle to deal with running backs out of the backfield and fullbacks out of the backfield and tight ends. And Darren Waller absolutely ate their lunch. The Packers don't have a player of the caliber of Darren Waller, but Matt LaFleur had to be watching that game going, oh, I am so ready to use all of these big people that I have to attack this Saints defense. And we haven't even really seen the full version of that And yet this offense has been basically unstoppable through two weeks. Right. And that's the thing. And and you and I have talked about it as well is that, you know, in both those games where they've scored 40 plus points, they still left a lot of points out on the field. So you're kind of thinking, you know, and and again, it's, it's still early. So you don't want this team to peak in week three, No, but if they, you want them to trend upwards and it's a big reality check in that this team, if they make a couple catches, then they can sustain those drives they could easily score 49-50 a game, which is just crazy to say from a year ago. Well, and, and I do wonder about the crowd noise because, you know, Joe Thomas was on the podcast yesterday talking about how much easier it is to communicate and how, you know, you go into a hostile environment, which, you know, you said we don't have this year. You go down to the Super Superdome, you can't hear yourself think down there. You go to Seattle You go to even U.S. Bank Stadium, it is loud in those places. And so for the Packers to be able to go to New Orleans now in this weird season, they can make all their calls. They can make all their checks. They can do all the stuff that Aaron Rodgers is so good at the line of scrimmage. And it it does seem like it would be a pretty big advantage. Have you heard from any of the players about, you know, the, the no fan thing and what that experience is like? Yeah, because I, you know what, I, I actually talked to Mason Crosby about that. And I was like, you know, what's it, what's it been like kicking in empty stadiums? And, you know, what is it going to be like kind of going to an empty uh, stadium for the for the Saints? And he was like, well, I think they're going to have a little limited amount of fans, but it's still going to be a lot different. Um, he said it was, he still misses fans, I guess more so on the Packers end of things. But he did obviously say that it's just a lot easier to play 
because you don't have people barking at you. You, you can hear what you want to think. <laughs> and in offense, like you mentioned, like you can get those calls in with ease. So it's going to be different. Um, but on the other end of it, it does kind of neutralize things in terms of a home field advantage on the road for those road teams. So that does benefit the Packers in these, you know, normally raucous stadiums. But again, guys have said they miss fans, but I guess they're kind of used to it now in a weird way. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how it's going to be the rest of the year. And in, in that vein with the no fans and or limited fans, I mean, even in Dallas, they had, uh, I think, 20,000 fans. Well, that stadium holds 100,000 people. 20,000 out of 100,000 is still cavernous. If if 20,000 people showed up to Jerry World on a normal week, we'd be going, what the heck is going on here? Uh, it does seem to me that some of these slow starts for Green Bay, especially defensively, could be attributed to the no noise. I mean, I look at how Zadarius and Preston Smith are playing there are, there are two players who came to Green Bay and immediately clicked with the fans and the team and the community, and they seemed to draw so much energy, and they created so much energy. You got to be around that infectious energy last year, and it just doesn't seem like there's that same sort of juice to start these games. I don't know how you create that, though. And that's the million-dollar question because we've asked all these guys, you know, how do you create your own juice? And they're just saying you just have to do it. But – Sadly, weeks, okay. <laughs> we haven't really seen that come to fruition, at least in the first half. And again, you know, we, I was hearing, you know, they got a talking to in the locker room at halftime. And obviously things changed in the second half of that Lions game. But you don't want to be in a position where, you know, if you're facing a, a prolific offense. You're what down 21 to three in the first half. And you're like, oh, my gosh, if my offense can't score, we're in big trouble. So I, I'm very curious to see kind of how they can come out on Sunday night and hopefully not give up a touchdown on the opening drive because that's really been their Achilles heel is, is giving up those early touchdowns. And I know it's, you know, defensively, you're kind of just still kind of scoping out what the offense wants to do early on in the game. But for, for them to really make a statement defensively, I think they have to come out with, again, the word juice, just come out, just hyped energy, something just to make a stand on that first opening drive and then give Aaron Rodgers and the offense a chance to just go down and score and that's the fast start that I think Matt LaFleur really wants to see from his team. Yeah, and and Mike Patton in his career has sort of been a, uh, like a boxer. He'll, he'll come out and he'll just throw some jabs early and wait to throw those haymakers and counter punches until later in the game. The problem is the Packers have not come out with any kind of life. And this is a game, even, even with the fans there, you you feed on that energy as an opponent. You go in. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has talked about being able to go in and, and the feeling that you get from silencing an opposing crowd and how that can buoy you. You're not getting that. And so they're going to have to find a way to do it on their own. I, I do wonder, you know, this is this is a, an interesting test for the coaches. And I, I asked this question on Twitter you know, when do we start talking about Matt LaFleur as one of the best coaches in the league? Because with no offseason, this team in year two has made what looks like a huge leap offensively. And yet he doesn't seem to be getting the recognition or the credit that he deserves. It's been all Aaron Rodgers. And and I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem fair to me. I think LaFleur's done an awesome job so far. I agree. It's it's, you know, Rodgers is the guy that's really executing it and making it look good. But, you know, LaFleur, it's his bones. It's his offense. Um, he's the one calling the plays. And I know Aaron obviously has, you know, say if he wants to kind of change it at the line of scrimmage. But, you know, you have to give huge kudos to Matt, Matt LaFleur. I, you know, I'm just kind of curious to see 
again, the first half of the season, if they can play these really good caliber teams with future Hall of Fame quarterbacks and still put up 35 plus points, you know, it would be just insane if he was not in the discussion, at least midway through the season, if they can keep this up. Because again, the naysayers are going to say, oh, well, you played the Vikings, they're not great. And you played the the Lions and they're 0-2. So it's, Mm -hmm. I think, tempered expectations right now. But if they can do and keep this going against really good teams down the stretch, you have to, like, I mean, even now, you have to give Matt LaFleur kudos because we saw it took a year to really get things going. But honestly, I'm kind of shocked that it looks this good this early. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, hearing from guys like, you know, Aaron Rodgers said it, uh, Robert Tanyan said it, he said, you know, this is what we expected our offense to look like. So it's kind of scary to think that it can be even better. It it is scary to think that. It, It was always funny to me last year, you know, we, we started to hear about the decline of Aaron Rodgers and the problems that he was apparently going to create for Matt LaFleur and all of the challenges that LaFleur was going to face in coaching Rodgers. And then, lo and behold, there are no issues. Everything seems to work pretty smoothly. And anyone that I talked to about it said, actually, Aaron and Matt are, are working great together. And they go through, and, and somehow Matt LaFleur doesn't get credit for turning around a franchise that was really in a in a dark place at the end of 2018. It's all Aaron Rodgers, except at the same time, we hear from critics that, oh, Aaron Rodgers has fallen off. They, they can't both be true. It can't both be that, oh, Matt LaFleur doesn't get any credit, and oh, Aaron Rodgers was bad before. If Aaron Rodgers is the reason Matt LaFleur isn't getting credit now, then you can't explain last year. Exactly. And you know what? That's exactly why Matt LaFleur was brought in, though. You know, they wanted to rejuvenate this offense that had been kind of stagnant the last couple of years prior to his arrival in Green Bay. And, you know, it took a year, but he finally got there. So you have to give credit to both guys for, you know, Matt LaFleur. It's his system. You know, these are his plays. And again, credit for Aaron Rodgers to exit, you know, for executing them at the highest level. You know, if you don't have one, you don't have the other, in my opinion. So you kind of have to give credit to both. Devontae Adams said, you know, it's it's Matt LaFleur's offense. He's calling the plays, but Aaron's still the guy running it. And so it is, in a way, both of their offenses. And and that's true. We talked last week about, you know, the inconsistencies of MVS and, and Al Lazard and some of these secondary pieces. The production from them in week two looked a lot like it did from week one. MVS had a couple of big plays, had a drop. But it looks like, at least through two weeks, that the play of these secondary pieces, Tyler Irvin contributes a little bit. We know what Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are going to bring. It looks like this this is sustainable for these secondary guys. That's true. And because, you know, in say in a game, you know, their game plan is just take Aaron Jones away. So you're like, all right, I have to go right. through the air. If, you know, you know, knock on wood, Devontae is, is either hobbled again or they take him out of the game. It's, you know, you're relying on Marquez. You're relying on Lazard. You're relying on... You know, perhaps a Tyler Irvin or your tight ends to really make something happen. And we saw that. I mean, honestly, I feel like on third down, Lazard is just an automatic first down. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I see it. You know, that, that first third down catch, it was it was great. Um, and then Marquez, I know he's still kind of up and down, but he's really shown himself to have taken a huge leap. And, you know, I, I feel like for a guy who had the year he had last year to come out and perform like he has these first two weeks – is super encouraging because that's the kind of progress you want to see from your number two, your number three wide receivers. If they can keep this up, you know, I think Brian Gutekunst is going to be smiling and say, you know what, I don't think, you know, I, I think I was right in not having to draft a wide receiver here. 
That, of course, also not being part of the conversation right now, but we can we can save that part of it for another day. Um, I, I don't know how how late you stayed up to watch the end of, of Saints Raiders, but I was certainly uh, watching it w- with very close eyes uh, and and coffee in my veins. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering if if what you saw and the way the Saints have looked through two weeks has surprised you. It really has. And, you know, the, the first week, it's kind of, you know, they were taking on Tom Brady. That was a huge matchup. Um, obviously, they got the win, but they weren't like the world beaters that I think we thought they were going to be. But, you know, right. I think everyone week one gets a pass. It's the first week. Yeah. You know. Week two, it was, you know, they're opening on the road against a team opening up their new stadium. So, in my opinion, I you know, I still thought they were going to get the win just because I thought they were a better team on paper. But then, you, you know, you're facing a team opening up their new stadium at home and it's they had more juice they had more life and they just executed a lot better so that being said yeah i I am surprised at how the saints have looked early on small sample size but still yeah still surprised yeah and it it can't just be energy right i mean the raiders came out with more energy it's no crowd we've we've used the word juice a lot but that's a thing that matters a lot in these games a lot of it is just effort and intensity. And you could tell in the second half, for example, Green Bay came out with more intensity on defense. But that doesn't account for Drew, Drew Brees missing throws. That doesn't account for guys getting beat in the secondary, for them just like forgetting to cover Darren Waller on third and short. They've, looked, they've been the most penalized team in the league through two weeks. They've just been sloppy. This is not the team that I thought we'd get. It, it's been a weird thing. The first two weeks, the 49ers and the Saints – the teams that I thought were the best teams in the NFC don't look that way. This does seem like, though, that if the Packers go in and get a win, we have to just we the conversation has to just be this is the best team in the NFC. I agree, and you know the Saints are not going to make any sort of excuse saying, "Oh, we didn't have Michael Thomas." Obviously, he no. counts for a big portion of the offense. They're not going to make that excuse. But on the other hand, you know you don't want to be the team where they figure everything out. You know, you don't want to be the team where they're like, no, no, we're actually really good, and thank you for playing us this week. You know, the Packers don't want to be that team. <laughs> so, you know, they. I'm, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, if I'm this Packers defense, I'm coming in there with just so much, quote-unquote, juice that they can make a statement on Sunday night because all eyes are going to be on primetime. So if they can make a statement Sunday night and take down the Saints team on the road – emphatically, I mean, there's no way you can't have them in the discussion as one of the best teams or not the best team in the NFC. Yeah, and if they go in, and I said this yesterday, if the Packers play the way they've been playing and the Saints play the way they've been playing, I mean, the Packers, I don't want to say win easily, but they they could win convincingly. And then the conversation turns to not just are they the best team in the NFC, but are they the best team in the NFL full stop? There are some advanced metrics. You look at EPA. An EPA per play uh, right now, they are the best team overall. So this is there is a lot in a week three matchup. This could this could be for playoff positioning, playoff seating, a potential playoff preview. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. And, and you'll be back next week to discuss it all again. Sure will. <laughs> You're worried about the Packers injury report. I get it. But what happens when you wind up on the injury report? The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is transforming the way healthcare is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. There are only 120 academic medical centers in the country. 
The freighter and MCW network is one of only two in the state and the only one in eastern Wisconsin. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find innovative cures for complex diseases, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. It's like having a two-time MVP quarterback under center. You know you're in good hands, and you might just see things you never thought possible. Freighter and MCW physicians have been part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent and treat diseases. Still wondering what academic medicine offers you? Visit www.freighter.com academic. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network. This is what is possible. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store i want to thank lily again for joining the show another successful episode of how you doing how you doing tomorrow crossover thursday ross jackson locked on saints hosts comes on one of one of the best guys on the network. And for, for longtime listeners of the show, I had Ross come on after the Drew Brees uh, comments, and, and Ross gave his takes on that, and, and he was awesome on it. I just said, Ross, can you give me five minutes? Just give me five minutes on this. And, and I played it. I just said, I'm just here's what he thinks, and it was great. So uh, looking forward to that conversation. And then, of course, Friday, our live show. 5 Central Time on Periscope live. And then after that, the podcast will be up on your device. So you can watch it live uh, or you can listen later on whatever device you choose. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341 3775 to stay 